Hello and welcome to the Captain Bob Flight Sim Podcast. Today we're going to be giving the speech I gave at Flight Sim Expo. The links to the YouTube video version are in the description below, but you can also listen to it while you're on the drive or walking your dog or something. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I more or less stretched it out an inch. So basically, all of these dimensions are off by a little bit. So I'm going to make another panel. This doesn't really look like a good shape. Actually broke the bit later on, so be careful with the CNC milling. They actually shot across the room, so I'd highly recommend printing with tabs. And it's working wonderfully until it doesn't and the bit falls off, and also the material starts coming up. Here's the finished result, and it looked alright. a bit of gap right here. That makes it so that there's not enough space right here to make a support structure. So that is just a brief catalog of all of my mistakes. I, I can assure you I could fill this entire 40 minutes with even more of them, but uh, those were probably some of the best ones. So Thomas Edison, said that I've not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. I really like this quote because it takes a positive spin on failure. I think failure is just one of the barriers to flight simulation. I have 11. So, in the computer world, you are limited by your barriers, by your bottlenecks. If you have a 3090 graphics card, but you're booting Microsoft Flight Simulator from a stack of floppy disks, you're not really gonna be happy with your result. It's really about making, removing bottlenecks. You can really enjoy your hobby more when you are getting rid of your bottlenecks because you can do more in flight simulation. It's fantastic. This seminar is aimed more towards home cockpit builders, but it's applicable to all aspects of flight simulation. So why should you remove barriers? Well, you see, barriers can slow you down faster than gains can speed you up in a lot of cases. I love to run, but I also like to eat sweets. Who doesn't? I know that my decision to eat like a bunch of these donuts, a stack of three donuts, doesn't take me very long. It takes me probably 15 minutes if I'm enjoying it, or like two if I'm at it. I'm a champion, but <laughs> I know that my my little tiny decision to eat those three donuts will take actually two hours to get rid of but using running. Uh. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier to just not eat the donuts than run for two hours. Another example of this is if you're loaded up into Microsoft Flight Simulator X-Plane and you remove and you put full throttle forward, you're not gonna get very far at all until you remove the parking brake. That's a critical step, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so I'd encourage all of you to ask, what's holding me back? And then kind of aim towards that. Hi, I'm, since I was 14, I've been working on flight simulators. I taught myself to woodwork, solder, and I've taught myself to design, wire, prototype, and configure flight simulators. This has been an incredible journey, and I'm really glad that I've taken it. 
In building my full-scale Cessna 172 cockpit, I've learned a lot, and I'm trying to make this as realistically as I can. I'm sharing the journey on GitHub and on my website and YouTube channel. The Captain Bob YouTube channel over here shows Moby Flight configuration tutorials and my progress with the Cessna 172 project, but it also shows a lot of other cool things like how to build flight simulators, general tips and tricks, and the Captain Bob YouTube, or website, sorry, is another place where I'm doing this. So, by the end of this presentation, I'm going to teach you how to increase your flight simulation potential through actionable steps, um, destroying barriers like startup friction, knowledge, being overwhelmed, age, tools, cost, space, time, and knowledge. Another, some of the other ones are tension with family, push to talk fear, and failures. There are a lot of barriers and bottlenecks, so it's good to be aware of all of them. Our first up is startup friction. Sometimes it's hard to get going. You know you have a lot of startup friction if you find yourself having a Pinterest board filled with flight simulator ideas, but you haven't even purchased a single screw. So that's, that's really when you know you've been doing it. I like the quote from Benjamin Franklin that says, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. This is a really good quote, and I think it's important because you want to have a plan for your flight simulator. You can really ask yourself these questions, and I think these questions really help you have a lot more clarity about your flight simulation hobby. So first, we have the question, what airplane do you want to build? Your simulator is often shaped by your airplane, and you can also ask yourself if you even want to build a specific airplane. That's important to ask yourself because if you do build an airplane, you're more or less locked into it. So it's something that's really important you clarify. Why do you want to build a simulator? This will be your purpose for your simulator. So if you're going to be an instrument trained student, you want an instrument uh, simulator, and you probably don't care about all of the fancy graphics and icing on the cake of some of the simulators. Additionally, if, you're, if you really do want a simulator like that, or you're flying in VR with VFR, then you might want more of those. Another question to ask yourself is, what's your budget? Your budget will vary, it will affect your simulator because it's how much you can spend on it. How much space do you have? This is another question. It, they do take space, spoiler alert. Do I prefer building or flying? These are my two main flavors of flight simulation. I think building, you focus more mostly on looks and feel and the systems. You're very system deep in building flight simulators. Whereas flying them, you care about the systems and how it flies, but you're, it's less um, tangible, I guess. It's more how it flies, how it feels. So, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer building or flying? And you can do both. It's, you, can, you can have them both. I, I believe in you. So the next tip is to make blueprints and drawings of your simulator. They can be sketched on napkins, or you can design it all in computer-aided design. But it's good to have a look into your flight simulator. When you haven't planned your flight simulator, your flight simulator is a blank slate. So you can do anything with it. Up next, we have knowledge and skills. 
Knowledge and skills are one of the very important things in flight simulation because there's so much to learn. I guarantee you, you could learn anything you want to do, be, get everything done, and there would be still more to learn. There's infinite knowledge almost in the flight simulation community because it branches out so much. You might, you can look into flight simulators and you could go deep into upholstery. You could go, you could go into panel making, laser cutting, 3D printing, all the configuration, coding, stuff like that. You can even go into aircraft making, like designing them for add-on airplanes. You can go into woodworking, 3D printing. It's, there's so much to learn about flight simulation. So, how do you learn this all? Well, you see, first, it's important to learn by trial and error. I think this one, everyone thinks is overrated. It, it kind of feels that way, because why should I try? Why can't I learn it from a book or something? But trial and error is how I learned a lot of what I know, and I, I actually really like trial and error because it shows you how not to do things. You can really understand how to do things when you know ways not to do them. I honestly started out flight simulation with cutting pl plywood by getting the piece of plywood, a drill, and drilling a, a pattern of screws or drill bits in a line. And then what I'd do with that piece of wood, I'd karate chop it, and then it'd break in half, and I'd have my piece of plywood. It'd be all warped, but that was my method of cutting pieces of plywood in half. I wouldn't recommend it, and now I know that's not how you do it, and I've learned a lot about cutting plywood, ripping it, making sure it's all nice and precise. Okay, so after trial and error, there might be another way to learn it. It's through blog posts and really media. So I've played it by ear a little bit by then, following blogs like Mikey's Flight Deck, 737 DIY Sim, and a few other ones that have really shaped my flight simulation career. Flight simulation enthusiasts also go on YouTube. That's something I found, and I took that and ran with it. I figured out that flight simulator enthusiasts go on YouTube and make super helpful tutorials, like how to backlight panels, how to wire something, how to make a yoke, and it's an incredible community. Once you gain a foundation, I like to think of it as a pretty cool graph. Um, maybe you're not into graphs, but I think this is pretty cool because after you learn through crash courses or trial and error, you really get the bulk of your learning, it starts to actually slow down. But if you don't keep actively learning as you go, like looking things up when, you need, when you're stuck, if you just passively take in information, you can find that the information doesn't really go well, I guess. It, you stop learning as much because you're not taking it into practice. So this crash course type learning where you're watching a YouTube video is important, but you really need to get active learning as needed as you go, as you make mistakes, as you fail. So what skills should you learn if you're going to build a home cockpit? So a few of the ones I highlighted were soldering, configuring, oh, I have them here, home cockpit knowledge, electronic principles, learning to fly, electronic principles, 
budgeting and finance, engineering and problem solving, 3D printing, and CAD. So these are a few of them. Feel free to take a picture of it if you think they're important. I think each of these are pretty important in, the, in most people's home cockpit building because 3D printing is very easy to use, or like, it's very helpful, and they're all, they're all just core skills, I would, in my opinion. You can forego some of them in favor of other ones, but I think this is a good baseline. So, the next one, we just told you all of this knowledge. You gotta get a 3D printer, and you gotta learn to configure, maybe even code stuff up, and you might feel pretty overwhelmed. I know this is how I kind of feel sometimes. There's so much to learn. If you go on the forums, you'll see there are people making circuit boards for their flight simulators and custom designing components, and they're doing insane stuff that feels like rocket science. This is pretty normal. They're because flight simulation is such a narrow yet broad topic, you can go into, it's weird, because it's like aviation, engineering, and then flight simulation and home cockpit building. It's a very narrow hobby, but inside of that, you can go into upholstery for seats, you can go into bending metal for like frames, you can go into all of these things, and you'll probably use multiple. It's easy to get overwhelmed, but I think the biggest tip is to do it all one bite at a time. You really don't need to, if you're going to eat an elephant, first of all, make sure it's not an endangered species. That's quite illegal. But second, eat it one bite at a time. Know one skill, learn a little, and learn a little more. So, <laughs> know that there is a lot to learn and there's a lot to get excited about. You can go into everything you want. So another thing we have is perception of age. I'm saying not age because I think it's how you perceive it, but the first one is being too little, thinking you can't do it because you're not old enough. And I would like to see first uh, who here in this room is the youngest person. We can raise your hands if you think you're the youngest. Let's see, anyone younger than 15? 14, is there anyone younger than 13? Okay, so it looks like 14 is our bottom line. So there are pretty young people here doing amazing things, making like fancy starter switches and stuff. It's crazy to see, and it's really cool because you can do it, you can do it too. When I was younger, I would actually have my, have my dad work the skill saw and I would hide in the backyard because I was too afraid of it, because it was, it was loud. And uh, yeah, that was one of my stories. And then after that, I would kind of make my parents purchase things. So that's another quirk to being young. You might be able to weasel yourself out of some purchases. I'm, I'm kind of sad that I've grown out of that phase. <laughs> the next <laughs> is if you're feeling like you're too old. Uh, what I'd say to that is, bah humbug. And this is a hobby that almost anyone can do. It's really open to different types of flight simulation, different cultures, different um, ages even. It's really open to almost everyone, I would say, even everyone. There's something everyone can do in the hobby. So how old do you think the oldest person is? Raise your hand if you're over 70. Of course, if you don't mind me asking. 75? 70. 
Okay, so around 75 is the oldest um, into flight simulation. That's awesome. Keep at it. Um, let's see. So if you're if you feel like you are limited by like your age, it might be worth just adapting your hobby. So instead of maybe like making your simulator out of bricks, I don't know why you'd want to do that. Make it out of a material that won't hurt you. That's that's for everyone though. Don't make your simulator out of bricks. It's not the three little pigs. Um, so. Who here is just the right age to be in flight simulation? That was one of you. That should be all of you. Fantastic. We're getting there. But the key word with age is to adapt. Adapt your hobby. Have your dad cut sheets of plywood with the skill saw. Um, don't make your simulator out of bricks. Adapt your hobby. Maybe use CNC milling technology if that's easier than cutting it all manually. And really adapt it to your hobby. You might do different parts of it. You might do different types of flavors of it, but you can do it. So <laughs> the next up is tools. This is one very helpful tool, the Ender 3 printer, but tools are a special case because they both cost money and space. So they're a special flavor of three barriers combined in one. It's like a, I don't know, some sort of magic deal. So my biggest tip for buying tools is to only buy them when you need them. Only buy the tools you need when you need them, and then you should be set. If you don't need a laser cutter, why would you get one? But the, if you really find that you're not performing well because you don't have a tool, then it would be worth looking into investing in one. So my tool list to get is first the Ender 3 3D printer. It doesn't have to be the Ender 3. It could be any other 3D printer, but one that's, that you know is good to print out 3D components. 3D printing is an awesome technology because it lets you make things by a robot, basically. You tell your robot to like spew out plastic and it becomes a simulator. It's a really cool technology. There's a learning curve to make it all pretty, but it's an incredible technology. And if you don't have it, I would highly recommend investing in it. Some other tools that are common are like a skill saw with a guide. I use that now to cut big panels in half, and it's pretty accurate as long as you measure it accurately and uh, account for the blade thickness too. And that's one of the most common tools I use. Another is the jigsaw, and after that, the soldering iron. Those are my main tools. And if you want to go deeper, you can get a CNC mill, you can get a laser engraver, a router, a table saw. It really goes on from there. So this is all great, but what if you don't want to pay for tools? I think that's something that's pretty desirable, not having to pay for stuff. So the first tip is to rob banks. No, that, Pat is right, but that's not the one we're going to use. The first tip is to use the CNC mills at schools. So some schools, some high schools, especially more technical ones, and even colleges, have CNC mills. And if you have an in or are in classes, you can sometimes use those. Or, and that works fantastic. I used a CNC mill to cut out a panel, and it worked wonderfully. The second one is to use your library's 3D printer. A lot of libraries these days are trying to go more modern, and they're buying 3D printers that usually the people in the community can use for just paying for filament, which is kind of a great deal. 
My last tip is to use makerspaces. So makerspaces are basically a group of awesome people who get together and they basically pay for tools. So you could have a group of people more or less sharing a CNC mill and instead of paying $7,000 for the CNC mill, you would pay like a $50 month fee. And let's be honest, we're gonna use it more than the gym. <laughs> so I'd really recommend actually zeroing in on what you need and really going from there. You can also sometimes get creative with your tools. You can use the straight cut bits in a router to use rabbits, but instead of that, you can make rabbits on your table saw. So you can cut off just a little bit of material and make multiple passes. That's one way to do it, a data, my apologies. But get creative, but don't get dangerous. Please don't tape drill bits to the table saw, and please don't tape a table saw bit to a drill. Don't, don't do that. Get safe, but you can look at the best, best ways to optimize your tools. So cost. There is no such thing as a free lunch, and if there was, it would be on April Fool's Day, and I'd really not recommend it. It's probably like tricked. So you can definitely see your simulator is costing money. This right here, this is the world's most expensive home cockpit. Can we have any guesses at how expensive it is? And anyone think it's more than $10,000? I definitely do. It is actually $300,000. This thing is the price of a house. That is insane to me. This, this won the world guineas record for most expensive home cockpit, which I think is insane. So, simulators are not all about money. This was my simulator a little bit ago. It was made of foam and PVC. You can you always use cheaper materials and do things um, I can't, a little less janky, I guess. But, but you can do things and you can make fantastic simulators. I've seen this guy who makes paper simulators. That's pretty cool. And you can use cheap materials. And I think if I worked more on this, I could really make it a simulator that would have been fantastic. You don't have to have sheet metal and diamond-plated seats. You can, you can have a simulator like this that gets the job done. So money is not the most important thing in flight simulation building. I would say that your brain is. How you do things, how you outsmart the money is a fantastic way to build your flight simulator. So this is my simulator again, but some other cheap materials are two by fours. Those are pretty readily available and lumber. So, or plywood, that's usually pretty cheap. Sometimes I even get super thin hardboard, so it's basically the stuff like whiteboards are made out of, but it doesn't have a coating. And that works fantastic, especially for panels, if you don't wanna get acrylic, because it's a lot cheaper. So, I like to have this crazy theory that you, in the starting phases of your simulator, you're actually starving your simulator of its potential, more or less, so you have to actually get creative to compensate for that. But once you get over the mountain and you're at peak rich money, it's kind of funny because it's rich fuel, rich, rich money. Okay, but once you get past that, it starts, you stop getting creative, and I think that's, that's really sad because 
it's really, I think a really big part of flight simulation is growing and getting creative. So, some of the ways you can mitigate cost are to use cheaper materials. You can go on the Chinese websites or places that ship from China, like eBay, AliExpress, Banggood, DealExtreme, and some of the Amazon sellers have good deals. And read the descriptions carefully, of course, but then you can really save a lot of money there because a lot of times the things in the more expensive stores, you, you kind of figure it out, are just the cheap stuff but resold. So you can deal with the three month, if you can deal with the like month long shipping term, then this is a fantastic opportunity. I also like the quote, lower your expectations. That's just from the tooth fairy. But you don't really need this class delta simulator, this full motion and, and like it actually kneels down if there's like too much turbulence so it doesn't like hit your head. It's crazy and it runs on like probably a billion computers. But you can really, if you have a simulator that fulfills your mission, it's, it's a good simulator. So some of the more creative ways I've worked on my simulator to de decrease its cost have been using the wheels from, from the like moving dollies if you're gonna move a piano and then putting those on the bottom of my simulator because instead of $8 a wheel, it becomes like $3 a wheel or something because the wheels are, they're cheaper, but I don't need very expensive wheels, let's be honest. So, and then I use foam because the foam sheets were about $18 a sheet instead of the, I think it was $60 a sheet of the plywood I was gonna use otherwise. You can also go in the scrap wood bin. That's what I did for my support, Ooh, right here. There's a support block and I used that from the scrap bin. You can also wait for things with slow shipping. There are also some incredible ways to, to basically swap time for money. It's like a one-to-one -one exchange. You can swap time for money by using, a, using like DIY components. JVRSim made these super cool switches that are like dual switches, and you click one for the master battery switch on a Cessna 172. And there's another example where it's a dual encoder switch, or dual encoder, like on a radio, but it's like $2 in filament instead of the like $20 you can usually get them from. And that one's from Flight Sim Maker. So another tool is to use the community. The community is a fantastic group of people. There are tons of brains and about twice as many eyes. Think about that. But you can see a lot of good deals from them. You can learn a lot from them. And it's really important to find what they're saying. Sometimes community members even help you out with your flight simulator and they can give you components or help you out with uh, anything you're stuck on. If you don't have another barrier we're kind of faced with, let's be honest, is space. Not this type of space, but we, it's hard to get enough space for a simulator. They take up massive amounts of room. You, I've heard of flight simulator rooms like and then, it's, then people will have like an entire warehouse for like their flight simulator because they want a bunch of space for a nice curved projection system and it's insane how big they can get. 
especially if we go back to the like full motion simulators, those need a lot of height too. So this one is kind of self-explanatory, but you build a smaller simulator. I'm confident if you have six feet by six feet by six feet, you can build an amazing simulator. I have just one example over here. This is Cessims, Cessna cockpit right here, and its dimensions are about four feet wide, about five feet tall, and about seven feet long. So I actually did all of the measuring, and I could fit it right beside like my desk at home, and no one would even notice, I'm pretty sure. You can really get creative with your space and use stuff like this. And you might think that because, or, and one thing I'm really pleased with is how it looks on the inside. Just because it doesn't have the fantastic, like multi-wall fancy simulator, it looks incredible. This simulator is amazing. It has everything that I think a Cessna simulator would need. It also has a fire extinguisher. I like that. So keep in mind, if you use your space wisely, you can do more with your simulator and if you use it super wisely, you could have two simulators. Isn't that incredible? So, one issue we're all, all faced with is time. I think, whew, just as time is an issue in your daily life, it's also one given the speech. Whew. Daylight savings, I, th I think it would be kind of nice if daylight savings happened like every day, so we just get an hour, extra hour every day. I think that would be very ideal. So we all have the same 24 hours. That's important to realize. So you just have to find time for your hobbies. It's, it's hard to do, but I think setting small goals, like I wanna work, just set aside a sliver of time to work like 20 minutes on your simulator, five minutes, like 30 seconds if you're that pressed, but just working a little on your simulator every day can really help you with this. You can also use pre-made plans. There are a ton of free online resources, and here are just a few of them. There's the Cessna 172 project up here. This is the one I'm making right now. There's the Authenticate controls. I have one right here. It's a spade. It's a World War II type of airplane, the Spitfire, um, but you can 3D print all of the parts yourself. I, of course, didn't follow the directions, but you can print them all yourself. You can interface it to a board, and it's really cool. So this is the Authenticate controls. This is Mike, no, this is Helimex DIY 737 sim, and then here is Flight Sim Makers G1000. This G1000 uses circuit boards and 3D printed parts to get everything to work and interface with the flight simulator. Your local government is another problem with the flight simulating. Your local government is, and I quote, anyone who you have to obtain approval from to build or expand our simulators. Usually it is someone we live with. <laughs> so you're local government, you have to get approval from them and you have to make sure everything works nicely. So you really have to make it a win-win situation. People aren't too excited to have your big, your living room into a sim room, but sometimes you, you gotta reason with them. I think that's a reasonable request, but 
you kind of have to make sure that it's a win-win situation. It's going to benefit both parties. Sometimes I think it's really important to know that, like, to understand that it's it's a hobby. It it helps people. It helps you. Maybe you're going to de-stress, and it's important to you. And kind of, it's important to you. And also, here's some backlash you can get if it takes up too much space. That's that's a problem, but you can combat this by decluttering and cleaning. I know it's not you know, it's not very attractive, but if it takes too much money, you can just tell them it'll be over a few years. That might be a lie, but if it takes too much time, you should figure that out, and it'll be time learning, so it's not it's not wasted, right? And if and if they say it's an eyesore to the house, then you can of course paint it pink or or red or something, some pretty color. So, so make sure to keep that in mind. You can also show them how to build skills and be really important. You can also start small and just hope they don't notice. Another issue we have is push to talk fear. This is one I actually was plagued with uh, until like a few months ago. Air traffic control in real life is scary and then in in, in the simulator, you talk to like a fake robot pilot who I think might be plotting to rule the world, but then you move over into VATSIM, and VATSIM stands for Virtual Air Traffic um, Control Network. No, that, that's not right. But <laughs> Virtual Air Traffic Simulation Network. But VATSIM is with real pilots, real controllers, and you're all talking to each other like real air traffic control would. It's important to learn this, this little formula. It's who you're talking to, um, who you are, right? who you're talking to, who you are, where you are, what you want, and what information you have. So an example right here is audience. This is Trevor. I am at the stage, and I want you all to pay attention and with, with information whiskey. Uh, that's, that could be a radio call if it was formatted correctly. I would have a tail number though. So you can really just look that up, see what, you, what they want, who you are, or who they are, what you want, or, or yeah. <laughs> okay, so just embrace that you're a student and you're learning. I just messed that up. It's okay, you can make mistakes, bounce back from them, learn and make failures. As we previously said, failures are things that we want to avoid. Naturally, you don't want to fail, but you will learn a lot from failure. So sometimes we feel like giving up after a mistake. I don't think this guy really feels like doing skiing right now. I don't know if I would, but it's important to bounce back and get, get over failure. Colin Powell said, there is no secrets to success. It is just the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. I really like that quote, and I think it really shows you how you, how you really need to bounce back up after failure. To wrap up, we learned about how to increase your flight simulation potential. We learned how to decrease barriers like startup friction, knowledge, being overwhelmed, age, tools, cost, space, time, disagreements with family, push to talk fear,
problems and failures. So how do we do this? How do we make our flight simulators better? We have to innovate. We have to really make time to say, I don't care. We need to do it anyways. So you got to really force it into existence. I know that's kind of weird to think about. But if any one of you think that you can't do it, I'd really encourage you all to just start building. Buy your first screw. Do it. You can make failures. You can make mistakes. That's not supposed to happen, but you learn from it. I now know that I need to adjust the printer height because I think there was like a rock or something in the middle of the, um, the little screw that's needed. So I really fixed that. And of course, if you fail remarkably, send me a video so we can both laugh together. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'd now like to formally open it up to question and answers. So does anyone have any questions? Oh, fantastic, you right here. What's your next simulator? My, my next simulator is the Cessna 172 project. I think it's over here. This Cessna 172 project is going to be as realistic as I can, and I'm going to make it all like as perfect as I can because I finally have, have the skills and abilities to do it, and I want to just challenge myself as much as possible. Thank you. I think I saw another question here. Yes? So could you scroll back to your home build, your, the one with the three pictures? My question is, what are you looking at when you're flying? Over this one? Here. So what? So what the question was was what is what are we seeing when we're flying? And we're only really seeing outside of this window. So we could use a t television or and this instrument panel. You'd probably want to have better. But this simulator was insane. I really this was my first simulator, so I didn't really know what I was doing. So I built the entire shell and actually a sink back here, which is kind of laughable. But <laughs> I don't know why. But if you're going to build a simulator, you really don't need this extra shell. It's kind of just stuff. Oh, yes, there was a projector right here. So that's what you would see. I didn't turn it on because I don't know why. OK, yes. Great question. So for the, current for the current simulator, the plans for the visuals will be, they're a little in the air because I can do a lot of things with them right now, but I'm looking into different ways of maybe making a curved stream if I want to go into that a little more. But I think for a temporary setup, I want to set up like a triple monitor solution. All right. Do we have any other questions? Platform, oh, I'm going to use, what platform I'm going to use is going to be X-Plane, and it'll be compatible with Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020. Alrighty, thank you so much for coming to the expo.